When passion, perseverance, and performance join forces, success is born. When your lifestyle is cultivated around physical and mental well-being, winning is inevitable. If you're somebody who likes to set goals and crush them too, you've come to the right place. This is putting yourself first. This is motivation. This is the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. This is Julie, your host, here to bring you weekly wellness tips to help you live happier, healthier, and make real progress towards your goals. On today's episode, we are talking physical therapy. This past week, I reached my six-month anniversary of clinical practice. Started with the company I'm with right now, True Sports Physical Therapy, on September 1st of 2022. And this past week, first week of March, marks my six months. So on today's episode, this is a shout out to my, my PT people. I'm going to speak about six lessons that I have learned throughout my first six months of being a PT. And these lessons include things that I've learned directly from PTs that I look up to, quotes that I kind of like live by in my clinical practice, and honestly plugs for the people and the resources in my life that have helped me a lot in these first six months growing as a PT. Number one here is that mentorship is an active process, not a passive one. One of the big hot topics for new graduate PTs, and I think just PTs in general, regardless of how far along you are, is wanting mentorship. We want to learn from people in the field who are crushing it, who are leading the front, who are doing the research. And I think as students, there's kind of this like sense of entitlement of what mentorship should look like. It's like, I want to go to a job where these people have all this time and all of these frameworks and processes that they're just going to give me and I'm just going to figure it out. And although it's important to make sure that your company has some kind of mentorship structure, in my opinion, I think it's more so important to know what you want out of mentorship, to know what it is that you really want to learn, what you want to maybe specialize in, or to really do some digging and find out what your weaknesses are and lean into that. You need to be in the driver's seat when it comes to mentorship. And if you expect for the people in your environment to just give you the perfect information or deliver it in the perfect way for you to understand, you'd likely be disappointed. It really is going to come down to you deciding what it is that you need and going out there and getting it. One way that I kind of stayed on top of this, um, especially in the very beginning of my job, was keeping notes on how I was doing and how I was feeling. So every once in a while, sitting down with my journal and talking about patients I worked with that felt really good or I feel like I did a good job or you know I saw a quick improvement versus patients that I was struggling with or certain diagnoses or surgeries that I was uh, struggling with. And then when I sat down with my mentor, I had data from my own collection to say, oh, you know what? I had a really tough time working with my um, conservative label tear patient. Can we like talk a little bit about that? So it's really up to you whether you are a new PT, a student PT, 
you've got to take control of your mentorship and what you want that to look like. My second point here is also on the topic of mentorship, and it is that mentorship comes in many different flavors. Again, on the topic of mentorship, like so many of us picture it similar to PT school, where like you're going to sit down and be lectured to or be given like study guides and and handouts and flow charts of what to do with your patient. But we need to remember that N equals one when it comes to clinical practice. Of course, there's going to be um, correlations between, you know, different injuries or in general, like systems that we can use. But for the most part, every patient's an individual. It needs to be treated as such. And just having like quick reference points for how to treat a patient isn't always going to be applicable. So when it comes to seeking mentorship, there's a few different ways that I've done so. And it's been really encouraging for me to seek out these different forms of mentorship um, as I get into PT and as I get really excited about serving my patients. So of course, in your clinic is going to be a big one. Making sure that there's time blocked off in your day early on when you first start your job to chat with one of the higher-ups, to chat with your clinic director or another PT who you can learn from, um, and just kind of check in here and there about how you're doing and, you know, what it is that you want to learn. For me at True Sports, this was for the first, like, six to eight weeks. Um, I had weekly meetings with my mentor, and it really was 45 minutes of however I wanted to spend it, which, again, came back to me making sure I was in the driver's seat and getting the most out of this. Another form of mentorship is having like a one-on-one type relationship with people outside of your clinical space. I think in physical therapy, one of the most powerful things about our profession and about our environment is that we tend to have people around us that we can kind of like bounce ideas off of and learn from and observe. But at the same time, we can get a little bit pigeonholed into our environment. And you end up kind of falling into this rhythm of like doing the same stuff that everybody around you is doing because it's what you're exposed to. So I've been a little bit intentional about seeking mentorship, having conversations, asking questions to other PTs outside of my clinic walls to hear about what they're doing. What is their go-to when they're really struggling to get full knee extension with an ACL patient or What is their go-to for for calming down a really flared up lumbar radiculopathy and kind of taking ideas from there? And some people might be wondering, like, how do you find this one-on-one mentoring? I think there's a lot of opportunities out there, especially with social media now. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout out to my mentor and friend and honestly life coach, Amy Shelton. She works down in South Carolina at Vertex PT Specialist. And we met through Instagram. I followed her like two years ago. About a year ago, I had her on my podcast. And ever since, she's kind of taken me under her wing as somebody that she wants to mentor. And I'm so grateful for that because I have learned just as much, if not more, from conversations that I've had with Amy about PT than some of the other mentorship that I've had. So definitely don't underestimate the power of just having phone calls and FaceTimes and like talking through specific scenarios. It's been so, so helpful to me, especially with um, if you have a mentor who you can kind of like share a niche with. 
And then the third way that I seek out mentorship actively is through courses and education. When I first became a PT and first started back in September, I was questioning when the right time was to jump into a course. Like I just got started at this thing. Is it too early? And a lot of the people that I look up to said, like, there's no perfect time. It's better to jump in and and start learning. So I took my first continuing education course about four weeks, five weeks into being a physical therapist. And it was great. I, I definitely didn't feel like I missed out on anything because of being so new to PT. And if anything, I've had that much more experience now to be able to implement it. So definitely jumping into courses, specifically courses that are going to be truly relevant to you and what you're passionate about. Don't just take the course that, you know, your friend is going to that you're like, oh, I need CEUs or, you know, that your company is offering so it'll be easy. Like find the courses that really pique your interest, that really are going to support the kind of clinician that you want to be and hop into those. The company that I've taken courses with thus far, the Institute of Clinical Excellence, I talk about them all the time. They are a badass team of physical therapists leading this front of PT 2.0, and they also offer a virtual mentorship program. So specifically, this is a weekly Zoom call that PTs can hop on. You can attend it live or you can watch a replay, and they cover a wide variety of topics from week to week equipped with, you know, PowerPoint slides and all kinds of information that I've been able to take right into the clinic the next day. So that's been a really helpful way. So just keep that in mind of like, if you feel like you're not getting a lot of mentorship inside of the walls of your clinic, there are so many other ways out there to get that. Number three, we're gearing more towards actual patient care now. Lesson number three that I've learned is to peel that onion. Peel back the layers of the onion. I think we've all heard this analogy and no, I'm not talking about, um, you know, fascial lines and the layers of the muscles in the body. I'm talking about the layers that comprise a human being. We know that one of the hardest things about physical therapy and about making progress with the patient is that humans are really complex There are so many things to consider and so many things that could be getting in the way. And unfortunately, with the amount of stress that people have on their plate and how busy we are, compliance is a big problem in physical therapy. Like getting people to actually come in the door and actually do their home exercise program. And one thing that I've noticed as I've struggled with all of these things is that the deeper you can dig with a patient, the more layers you can peel back over time to really get to that patient's why and like what truly brings them in the door is where you are going to find all of the magic that they need to succeed. And one thing that I've learned that has been so humbling is that oftentimes the patient has a lot of the answers. Like, of course, as clinicians, we have the expertise and the education and we're movement specialists, but Sometimes peeling back those layers and helping a patient uncover for themselves what's really driving them is what's going to be the moment that that switch flips and they start to progress. One example of this that um, Jeff Moore, the CEO of ICE, talked about in a podcast that I absolutely loved was that finding somebody's why 
requires you to really dig into these layers. When patients come into the PT clinic, they typically come in because they are in pain. We ask, what brings you in today? And they say, my shoulder hurts. And what Jeff was talking about is that nobody's real why is knee pain, or in this case, shoulder pain. The why is deeper than that. The patient is there because they have shoulder pain. But the reason why they really care about that shoulder pain is because the shoulder pain is keeping them from playing pickleball. And not only does this patient love playing pickleball, but they play pickleball once a week with their husband and another couple that they're friends with. And it's the one time in their week that they get to have their friendship, like social interaction. They get to move and get their aerobic exercise and feel young again. That's the why. Like it's not the shoulder pain. It's the fact that the shoulder pain is limiting their ability to perform this activity with people that they love. And when it comes to peeling back this onion, sometimes it doesn't all come out on the first day or in the first conversation. In fact, if it does, that can be overwhelming for all parties involved. So understanding that over time, session over session over session, getting to know your patient more and asking those questions, figuring out what drives them, asking about what they used to do for fun or used to do for physical activity, and really finding that thing. And it's amazing the connection that can exist between you and your patient when you find what it is that you're truly chasing. Another aspect of peeling the onion, like we mentioned, is that humans are complex. So sometimes peeling those layers isn't just about finding the why and finding what motivates the patient, but it's also about uncovering what's going on in the background that might be clouding some of the clinical picture. Maybe you have a person who comes in with, I don't know, hip pain, and session over session, there's very little improvement. You're not sure if they're being compliant with their exercises. They seem like they're not really having a great time when they're in there. And then finally, you speak to them about sleep and stress, and you find out that they're sleeping five hours a night, and they're really stressed because they have all of this um, work on their plate at their job, and you know maybe they're fighting with their spouse. And once people start to unload that, not only is it important for you to hear that there are other things happening in their life that you know the world doesn't just revolve around those two hours in the clinic, but it also gives an opportunity for you to say to your patient, like, hey, listen, some of this stuff that's going on in your life can also be contributing to some of this progress and um, some of the pain that you're experiencing. So would you be open to some suggestions of maybe sleeping a little bit better um, or managing your stress? And one thing that I've learned from people that I look up to is that we can make a real lifelong lasting difference in people's lives if we can talk about lifestyle. If we hear that somebody has chronic back pain and we also hear that they drink a soda with every meal and they're just filling their body with highly processed foods that, according to research, can contribute to inflammation. Again, that's somewhere that we can intervene and just simply educate. So don't be afraid to peel that onion and peel back the layers and actually connect with the human being who's in front of you because that is where all the magic is going to happen and it's going to make things so much easier for you and for the patient. Number four is a direct quote that 
Jeff Moore said when I took his course back in October, it is that as physical therapists, it is not our patient's job to know that they are getting better. It is our job to show them. It's not our patient's job to know that they're improving, to know that they're making progress. It is our job as physical therapists to show them that improvement. How many of us working in PT have the patient who comes in and you're kind of like a little nervous when they walk in the door because you're like, oh, I don't know if they even really want to be here and I don't know if they're getting better and they don't know if they're getting better and what are we even doing here, (laughs) you know? We all get wrapped up in that and it happens to me too. It happens when you've got a lot of patients on your caseload. But when you can show a patient through action, through exercises, that they are getting better, the patient's going to buy in so much more and it's also going to build so much confidence for you as a clinician as it has for me. One thing that Jeff talked a lot about at the course is the importance of the subjective intake. And as young clinicians, as students, or in physical therapy school, we learn about the subjective as like something that goes on in the eval, and then it doesn't really get brought up again. And what really should be happening is that subjective intake, like those questions that you're asking about their pain, about their symptoms, about what they were and weren't able to do, about aggravating and alleviating factors, like all of those questions should be asked in some capacity every time because the clinical picture is always going to be evolving. You never know what kinds of changes could have occurred from session to session if you don't ask. And a lot of times when it comes to progress in PT, things take time. Sometimes we've got those patients where like you just knock it out of the park in one or two sessions because it was something quick and they walk out of there and they're like, man, that was awesome. You fixed me so quick. But for most musculoskeletal impairments, it's going to take a couple of weeks to get that patient truly back to where they want to be. However, it doesn't mean that it takes a couple of weeks for them to see progress. Sometimes those session over session changes are just so small relative to their big picture that the patient doesn't notice it unless you bring attention to it. So for example, I have a patient right now, he's a 15-year-old baseball player and baseball tryouts just started at his high school and he's got elbow pain and he's really bummed because it's getting in the way of a lot of what he can do, but he's able to hit. It's something that we've worked on in the clinic and he's, he's back to hitting and he can't do the whole practice. He kind of has to stop when there's pain. So I said to him, hey, I want you to count how many swings you can take before that pain comes on and then stop and let's kind of keep track of it. So he comes in one day and he was able to take 12 swings in batting practice before that pain got pretty flared up and he had to stop. And then a week later in batting practice, he got up to 22 swings. And although that difference seems small, that was a moment of being like, hey, that's improvement. You got 10 more swings. How did that feel? And when you see that smile and you see that like, oh yeah, you're right, I am headed in the right direction, it's so huge, especially for a patient who's been in pain for a while. Another patient that I've implemented this with has chronic ankle pain, both sides, a whole history of injury. And it was getting in the way of her being able to do walks around her park. 
And at one point, she could maybe get a mile, and it was it was painful, and her ankles felt stiff. And the other day, she comes in, and she says, Julie, I was able to do the whole two-and-a-half-mile loop of my walk. And that was awesome because it's those questions every time of like, hey, Sarah, how far did you get this time? Or how far did you get last time? Showing the patient that they're getting better through asking the right questions is so key. And for those of you who are new to this, we want to see our patient win because we need that confidence too as young clinicians. So it's really so mutually beneficial for us both when the patient sees himself getting better and you see the patient getting better and everybody's happy. So make sure that you're taking the time to ask the right questions and show that patient that they're improving. Lesson number five is that humans are so much more capable of doing things, like doing physical work than we think. So many of us are underestimating our patients and I do this every single day. I think it's just natural for us to be a little bit more conservative and a little bit more hesitant, especially if somebody's flared up. But there is always, always a way to fitness. Lesson five summed up in a sentence is to find a way to fitness. Not only for our athletes, I I work in sports PT, so the vast majority of my patients are very physically active. Fitness is something that's already on board. But man, if we're going to call ourselves the movement experts, we've really got to be getting our patients moving, right? We can't be calling ourselves movement experts and like health promoting healthcare workers if all that we do for our patient is 15 minutes of stuff on a table and not anything that looks like actual functional human movement, right? And one thing that I've learned over the last six months is that there's always a way to challenge the human body regardless of what's going on in an injury in an outpatient setting. So for example, somebody comes in with a really, really pissed off shoulder, like super flared up, all motions are like somewhat painful and provocative. So maybe we want to create a little bit of like a cardiorespiratory stimulus, or we want to be able to maintain some level of general strength. So we can implement things like training the three other limbs on the person's body that aren't flared up. We do all kinds of single arm work. Maybe we do some cardio work on a bike, um, doing like heart intervals, getting the heart rate up. Another concept that I've learned to kind of help push the needle a little bit on fitness in a clinical setting is from Mitch Babcock. He's another ice PT and he talks about this, this idea of a remom. So it's an every minute on the minute type of programming, if you will in a rehab setting, hence remom, rehab, imam. And this idea is so awesome because it's so easy to implement. Essentially what we do, instead of just going through your exercises like, okay, do three sets of 10 of squats for me and taking like a two minute rest in between and talking and how did it feel. And then maybe we do some step ups and take a rest and then do some more step ups. And then maybe we go and do like a single leg RDL, like whatever your exercises are going to be, stringing them together in a way that's going to promote fitness. So using the concept of an imam, maybe for the first minutes, for the first minute, it's doing as many goblet squats as you can with a kettlebell. Just nice steady pace, cranking out as many squats as you can in a minute. 
that timer goes off and then minute two you get into your single leg work maybe you do like eight reps on each side and then whatever time is left you rest and then maybe for minute three we want to get a little bit of cardio on board so we add in some calories on the echo bike maybe it's like 10 calories on the echo bike and then you can kind of create this circuit type of setup which is so awesome too because you get so much more bang for your buck from a time perspective Think about how fast your time with your patients go. I have 45 minutes with my patients, which I'm so blessed to have. For those of us who might only have like 15 or 20 or 30 minutes, you want to make the most out of that. So setting things up with this remom not only is going to challenge your patient physically, especially if you do like a max rep type of situation, but it also allows you to incorporate more movements and more volume into a shorter period of time. And the reason why this whole fitness thing is so important and it's so on my heart and I'm so biased because I love fitness. I work in the middle of a fitness community. But to quote Mitch Babcock again, he made an Instagram post the other day that I freaking loved. And the post said something along the lines of 7 out of 10 Americans are not dying from kipping pull-ups. That's chronic disease that's doing that. That's heart disease and diabetes and hypertension and cancer and all these things that are making our population so sick. But here we are, a lot of healthcare professionals bashing physical activities like running or CrossFit or playing rec basketball and hurting your knee or whatever it might be, when those are the things we need to lean into most. And sure, a consequence of fitness might be a little bit of ache and pain or a musculoskeletal injury on board every once in a while, but that's always going to be better than the consequences of sickness or the consequences of lack of activity. So if you truly are going to call yourself a movement expert as a physical therapist, let's make sure movement is at the forefront of what you do. And if movement is at the forefront of what you do, fitness should be the result. You should see your patients improving in their habits and you're going to see this amazing trickle-down effect of showing a patient what they can do in the clinic and then the way that that's going to carry over to the rest of their life. Showing a patient what they're capable of, not just with those questions and, and showing them that they're improving, but especially creating exercises that involve the movements that they're fearful of or the movements that were once painful for them. You know, the middle-aged woman who's afraid to pick up a heavy object off the ground because of her back pain. You have her pick up a heavy kettlebell for 10 reps and then tell her at the end of the 10 reps, like, hey, Kim, that was like 60 pounds. That's pretty badass. And she's pumped. And now she wants to know what else she can do. That is what this should be all about. Final lesson here, lesson number six, is that encouragement goes a long way. And then in order to encourage our patients well, we need to meet them where, we're at, where they are at. We need to make sure that as healthcare providers, we aren't just bashing our patients with education and overwhelming them with all of this information that we have in our brains from school and clinicals and podcasts and research articles. We need to meet the patient where they're at. This can be really hard from an ego perspective, guys. I struggle with this all the time because I'm so hyped up. I'm so excited and passionate about fitness. And I want to talk to every one of my patients on day one 
about why they need resistance training and regular physical activity in a gym setting. However, we need to understand that every human being is in a different place in life, N equals one every single time, and not everybody is going to have a lifestyle or a situation that's compatible with what you think is best for them. So having the humility to know that the patient is in the driver's seat is huge. This is especially important when we're giving the patient um, recommendations of what to do outside of the clinic. Maybe you're somebody who gives home exercises each time, which is awesome. There might be some patients that you hand them a packet of like six or seven home exercise programs or home exercises, excuse me, and they look at it and they're like, oh, this is a lot. And then you know what? They go home and they put it on the counter and then their husband spills coffee on it. And then before you know it, it's in the garbage and they're like, oh, I didn't have time for those anyway. Whereas if you talk to the patient about what does your fitness look like right now? How much time per week do you spend exercising? Tell me, how much time do you have for your exercises? That patient might say, listen, I've got like five minutes before I get my kids on the bus. Okay, great. Let's make sure that we can take full advantage of those five minutes and give you exercises that are going to give you the most bang for your buck. And it's so important to have those conversations because it's so easy for us to just say, oh, do this and do this and do this stretch and do this exercise. And oh, by the way, I want you to also get in the gym three to four days a week. And if that patient can't do that, they're probably going to get a little nervous and feel feel insecure and feel discouraged by the fact that they can't meet your standard. But when you say, you know, Linda, listen, I understand that you've only got a few minutes. I want to meet you where you're at. These two exercises are going to take you no more than five minutes each day. There's something that you can easily pair with your morning routine and do before you head out the door. And I really think they're going to help you. That goes so much further and is going to create this like snowball effect of just getting the momentum going and then you can add in the sexy stuff later and my last point on encouragement here is let's not be afraid to hype our patients up again biased i'm a hype girl at heart that's like fully what i identify with as you can hear if you've made it this far i've got no voice because i've been screaming all weekend hyping up my friends in the crossfit gym but guys When you've got that patient in the clinic who's a little nervous and a little unsure and they do that goblet squat to a chair for the first time and their knee doesn't hurt and they've got that little smile, you better be like, yo, Amy, that was so good. Like that looked like great technique. That looked perfect. Can you do a couple more for me? The impact that that's going to have on the patient is going to be huge. And sure, you might be a little worried about being like overexcited and maybe coming across as like too intense. What I've learned if these six months have taught me anything is that the vast majority of people when they come into a healthcare setting are going to love that energy because they're used to walking into a very sterile environment with a three minute interaction with a doctor in a white coat or another PT who scared the crap out of them by telling them that they have bone on bone and they can't squat You can be the person to change all of that for them by making it exciting and encouraging the hell out of that patient along their journey, especially if it's somebody who's fearful. 
So guys, I hope you found this episode helpful. I'm so excited to reflect on this in another six months or year or five years or who the heck knows. But if you're a new physical therapist, time is definitely something that is going to make you more confident. But remember that you really got to take the driver's seat. I still struggle with that whole imposter syndrome thing. I still don't feel like I have it all figured out. I don't know if I ever will. But I have a lot more confidence now than I did when I started because of all of these principles. So go out there and get to know your patients. Peel that onion. Seek out that mentorship that really means something to you. Make sure that you're asking your patients the right questions and challenge your patients. Remember that people are so much more resilient than we think. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Goal Set Mindset Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my reflection on my first six months as a physical therapist. It's been an awesome journey and I am so excited to continue to connect with other PTs and healthcare professionals, fitness professionals who excite me and inspire me. You guys can hit me up on Instagram at goalsetmindset underscore JB. And if you're enjoying the show, I would love if you subscribe on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, we will be back next week with another episode.